Five Hairs New York City headquarters, I'm Adam Teeter. I'm Joanna Sherino. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. As a very iconic singer would say, it's Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. Dude, what happened to Rebecca Black? Come on, Rebecca. No, she's on TikTok now. Anyways, so <laughs> that is great because she's a celebrity. What we're going to talk about today is celebrity. I'm a terrible singer, by the way. I promise I'll be better next time. Next time? You could just not sing. That's probably okay. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. So um, we are going to talk about celebrity alcohol. And mm-hmm. it feels like, I mean, there's celebrities have always been involved in alcohol, right? Whether as spokespeople, yeah. whether as, you know, consumers, et cetera. Like alcohol is a sexy space for celebrities want to be a part of, uh, you know, their premium products, their lifestyle products, they're fun. But it feels like in the last decade, but I would really even say five years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The amount of celebrities getting involved in alcohol products has absolutely exploded. Some have been massively successful. Some have been massive failures, right? Like literally farts in the wind, as you might say, right? Like someone did it, they came out with it, and then you like never heard about it again. Mm -hmm. But it definitely is a thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so what do you both think about celebrity spirits? Like, And just wines, beers in general. Like, If a celebrity is involved with something, are you more or less likely to consume it or try it? I find it just so curious how how it's been such a, a recent development and then just like how many there are. I, I don't find it more appealing when a celebrity is attached to a brand, probably actually the opposite. Cause I, I yeah, I, I feel like I'm I'm really suspect of the quality of it. <laughs> um but yeah, that's my take. I think it's so interesting how it's evolved from like you said, Adam, like spokespeople being a spokesperson for a brand to being involved and like, I don't know, having a, having yeah. a cut of it, I guess. Cause yeah. Cause there is diff- definitely different ways, right? There's like, you can either be sort of the spokesperson that they, you kind of make seem like you have a lot to do with the brand. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Matthew McConaughey is a great example of that, right? Like he's the creative director of wild Turkey, but wild Turkey is already owned by Campari. So I don't know. He may have a stake in it. I don't, I have no idea at this point. Um, I think he has his own line too with wild turkey um that's like his line but that's a little different than like you starting the brand yourself a la the rock or conor mcgregor and then selling you know conor mcgregor selling to proximo like that is mm-hmm. totally different um and you know it's interesting because i was gonna use ryan reynolds as that example and then a lot of people on our team have reminded me in the past like the past few days that Reynolds didn't actually start the brand. He like came onto the brand a few years in and same kind of deal, but then they cut him in and made him an owner of the brand. Um, Is that still to, the case? Yeah. Well now, I mean now Diageo owns it. Yeah. Right, he sold, right. They sold, yeah, he sold it yeah. for like uh, 700 million, but um, he needed that. Right. But like, but like Clooney started Casamigos. Right. So I think um, th- there's definitely differences. Um I don't know. It's like, what do you think? Like, are you more or less likely to buy because it's a celebrity attached? You know, I think it's really interesting. I think there there are maybe a couple of different sort of genre of celebrity mm-hmm. alcohol products. I think there are the examples where, like, you think in wine, right? Like Francis Ford Coppola or something like that, where like, mm-hmm. on the one hand, the... <laughs> They, they never hid who was behind the winery, right? Like his name is on the bottles. Um, and it's very obvious that like you're getting, you're getting, you know, the cachet of the product in some part is like, oh, it's a wine 
nominally made by a famous director, or at least owned by a famous director. But at the same time, like, you know, that's something where I think you could look at the winery and be like, okay, but presumably Coppola was really into wine and decided he wanted to have a winery and like, was not hesitant to put his name all over it, but like he actually was, he didn't want his name on it. <laughs> well, okay, well, this. <laughs> oh, okay, and, that's true. That's right. You guys interviewed him. Well, yeah, maybe yeah. somehow, somehow some marketing people are able to, to get him over that or whatever. Yeah. The point is like, you know, it, it's not, you don't have to dig to figure out who, what celebrity is behind that product. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then there are these other things that kind of fit into this weird middle ground where whether it's, you know, the McConaughey with wild Turkey, where like obviously wild turkeys existed long before Matthew McConaughey was born. Um, and what a creative director does, hard to say. Uh, but but there's obviously something more than just an endorsement going on there. Mm-hmm. And then there are the kind of just run-of-the-mill endorsements. But what I find fascinating in all this category, and I don't know that I, I have a like answer to your question exactly, Adam, other than to say that like as as a buyer at a restaurant, certainly we weren't, you know, the, the kind of rest the kind of restaurants I was working at, we were we, we probably had a few of those products. We certainly had like aviation gin and stuff and wild turkey for that matter. But we didn't have a lot of these other kind of products that are so clearly branded with a with a celebrity, um, you know, kind of imprimatur. But at the same time, what is fascinating to me is like how in music in particular, and I think about this, like, you know, you went from kind of like, like you think about this, especially in hip hop, like name checking luxury brands as a way to prove your status, right? Like I can afford Cristal that's a, that's a, you know, that's a brag to like name checking a a brand that you own or you are heavily involved with is like, that's a whole nother level of flex, right? Like that's like, I don't just, I can't just buy Crystal. I have my own champagne. Like that's, and that kind of like cachet and the way that that motivates consumption is I think fascinating. And it's like, people don't, maybe they still think like, I'm going to buy you know, Ace of Spades, because that's what Jay-Z drinks, and I want to be like Jay-Z. But mm-hmm. it's like, that money's going to Jay-Z. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like, it's it's a great move. It's savvy, right? Like, why why should, you know, Rotor, who, you know, dissed you, get that money for Cristal when you can get that money? And I think that's, that's you know, that's pretty brilliant if you're a, if you're an entrepreneur. Yeah, I think so too. But I what I want your guys' opinion on is like, are we getting to a point now where like, there are so many celebrity products that they no longer stand out? Um, yes, <laughs> there are so <laughs> many of them. Like the, there's this ranking that, uh, Aaron Goldfarb did in Esquire. It's 63 of them. That's a lot. And he didn't even, and, and he only and it's not did even all spirits. Yeah. yeah. No, it's not even all the related oh, spirits. Yeah. You know, he didn't, he didn't even touch like, uh, well, I, was about to, I was about to say wine. the wrong name. Wine. I was going to say Charlie's Angels, but you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> clean Cameron, wine. Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz. Yeah, yeah. yeah like he, he didn't yeah. even like touch Abilene. Cameron Diaz's clean wine. Like he he didn't touch you know a, a bunch of these. I mean, Vera Wang has a prosecco. Like it's just like right. there's there's so many you know people now. You know, John Legend has a wine. Like um, I think the thing about it is there is a lot. What's interesting. And I think it's a way to explain, Zach, what you brought up is that um, what's interesting about these brands is that the only way they're successful is if the celebrity actually lives and breathes them and it feels very committed. And then Mm -hmm. the brands actually do grow. And where they grow is not on, but off-premise. And they become huge off-premise. A lot of these brands are massive, massive, massive off-premise brands. You know, it's... It's people who love NMA and love Connor and he drinks that, you know, his whiskey at, in every press conference. He's talking about 
proper 12 all the time. And so when they watch an MMA fight, they drink proper 12. You know, yeah. they're not they're not going to the bar looking for it. They're probably at the bar. At the bar, I, I would guess that proper 12 still really has had a very hard time unseating Jameson, right? Like, which yeah. is basically its direct competitor. Uh, same with Terramana. I think a lot of people probably have Terramana at home. Mm-hmm. And Ken Austin, who created both of those brands with uh, Dwayne and uh, Connor, told us when we interviewed him uh, a few months ago that, like, that's his belief, right? That if you don't live the brand, if you are not fully committed then he doesn't want to do it with you because it will fail. And I think that is why you see so many of these flashes in the pan brands because it's just the the belief amongst a person's team that, oh, well, we've done this with perfume. We've done this with, you know, other things. Why would this not work with, you know, alcohol? And I think it's because alcohol is such a different beast. And when I talk to, you know, some of the top executives at Diageo, Campari, et cetera, they've all echoed this, that like the only successful partnerships they've ever had are when the celebrity is fully invested. So Rock w- was and is successful because, you know, Sean Combs has a piece of the brand and is very connected to the brand and really controls how it shows up in public. And so people know his attachment to his authentic. Same to be fair with Matthew McConaughey's. It's a very authentic connection to Wild Turkey. Yeah. Um, and so people don't see him as like just like this paid spokesman or someone's like trying to trade on his name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they really truly believe he loves that bourbon. Um, well, and and that's I think the that's thing, the difference. Right? Yeah. You have to believe that the celebrity drinks the thing yeah. that you're right. like, I don't think you necessarily to, to, it probably helps with other, other categories in the sort of luxury realm or whatever. If, you know, someone has a, I don't know, a, 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 some sort of sponsorship with Burberry and they wear Burberry or whatever, but like, a lot of these things, you know, no one expects that that's the only clothing they'll ever wear. But with but with beverage alcohol, like it has to be plausible that the celebrity would actually drink the stuff, right? And even if they don't, you know, all the time, and even if you know whatever, you can't you can't fake that. You know, I think that I think people's bullshit detectors are good enough on that kind of stuff that a product that just does not align with a with a celebrity's public image in any way would would have a really hard time. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think that's I think that's one hundred percent on point. I think, you know, it's that's hard. It's why we're, it's like why, you know, Kendall Jenner got so much, you know, shit when yeah. she released her tequila because everyone's like, drinking nineteen forty two doesn't mean that you know how to drink tequila. I mean, yeah. make tequila. You know, like it's great that you love that product. It's a great product, but like that doesn't mean that you should be making a tequila and that you have right. any connection to it and that you know you you really you know, are, are going to be someone that we believe yeah. is passionate enough about this, that you're going to make a great liquid. You, mm-hmm. which is, you probably are not. Well, and there's also this sort of cultural appropriation element to it oh, too, totally. which is, oh, yeah. which is, you know, going to be much more pertinent with something like tequila than with gin, say. I have one, one other question in this space for both of you, which is, do you think that there is something to the nature, you know, you talked about kind of Adam, you know, living it like is, is this, social media age that we're in now part of the other reason why this works because you know lebron can uh can post on instagram every single day about what is it 1707 lobos or whatever it's called um and the pack like i know i I literally know that (laughs) slogan because of his instagram not you know what i mean like i Mm -hmm. i follow him and he posts all in for the pack all the time i'm like oh shit like that's just gonna like get ingrained (laughs) yeah and so to me it's like it's this way where like you know, celebrities, because they just have such incredible followings. And these days, you know, they, that following is so 
unfiltered, right? You know, you can literally follow them on whatever social media platform. It gives them that direct access that must be just like, you know, the, the like slot machine going off in a, in a beverage alcohol company's brain, right? Because like, they don't have to pay for placement in a magazine on TV in, you know, wherever they can just, you know, if the celebrity's got a piece of it, the celebrity's going to want to post about it because it's money in their pocket. And it's like, they can, they can, they can live it through social media, which is the only way any of us ever access them anyhow. And it's, it feels authentic in a way that 10 years ago, no matter how passionate someone might've been about whatever product, it just was going to be very hard. You had to play ball with, you know, with publications to get that message out. And would you reach your audience? Maybe, maybe not. Now it's like, you know, you can reach your audience because your audience is, is hanging on your every post. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't follow Cameron Diaz on Instagram, but I peeked at her Instagram recently and it was, mm-hmm. it was all Aveline. Yeah. Um, she lives it, right? On social media, at least. I mean, yeah. but again, how do we, how else do we know anybody? Yeah. Well, why don't we listen to this uh, interview I just did with Brett Barish of Sovereign Brands. He's created uh, Ace of Spades. He created Doucet, uh, you know, Luke Belair, a bunch of really amazing brands with, with a, a bunch of very famous people, including Jay-Z and Rick Ross. And uh, then we'll come back and, uh, and drink actually a celebrity wine. Today on the podcast, I am super excited to be talking to Brett Barish, who is the founder and CEO of Sovereign Brands. Brett, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Adam. Uh, happy to be on. So, uh, you know, can you give me a little bit of uh, background on yourself and on Sovereign? Yes. Uh, I grew up in the liquor industry, which is relevant for this. Okay. First, is like basically from the beginning, or like are we talking like born into it? Born into it. Wow. Uh, okay. Well, in different capacities, I like to think that we're third generation. Just my 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 grandparents on my mother's side were distributors in Madison, Wisconsin. Oh wow. Okay. My dad worked for the same liquor company uh, for forty five years. Wow. And I have three older brothers, and what we all remember best is being christened into liquor being when we're in first grade walking to school with bottles in our hands taken to teachers as gifts that's amazing uh, yeah so <laughs> um we we just we were always around it so uh, to me i grew up and i grew up in this industry just based on my father mm-hmm. and that's that's all he ever talked about he, he has a true passion for it that's awesome so you obviously um have created some pretty famous brands. Um, I'd love if we could chat about that and, and what made you start Sovereign. Um, so obviously uh, you started Ace of Spades, which I think a lot of people are very well aware of now, um, thanks to Jay-Z. <laughs> um, Doucet, which is his cognac. How did that happen? How did you start creating these brands and how did you do it with someone like Jay-Z? Well, f- first, I- I'm in the liquor and wine space. So that's yeah. all I know. I'm 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 a fan of music. I'm a fan of sports. So uh, I couldn't do music. I couldn't do sports. Um, but uh, all the brands are, were created for the industry. So right, okay. um, it's based on me and my team thinking about, can we make a product better? Can we do better mm-hmm. in the champagne category? Can we do better in the rum category? Can we do better in the gin category? So the basis of all the brands are based on that. Uh, how we then roll them out and, and, and how we then um, uh, kind of put ourselves into lifestyle, that's organic. Okay. So 
you know, if I, if I use, if I use a brand like our rum, which is called Bamboo, it's the number one rum in Canada. No one from my company and I have never been there. Interesting. So Jay or anybody else, everything is organic for me. I don't want to force brands into anybody's hands. I don't want to force them onto anybody. I'm, I'm the guy who wants to discover things. And I think mm-hmm. consumers want to discover things. How did you get into though collaborating with artists? I think, you know, there's so many brands that want to be able to do that, right? And and want to sort of cook it. There's there's not a lot of people who've really ever done it and done it to, to your level of success either, right? You know, there's maybe someone who's done one brand with an artist and the brand doesn't work for one reason or another. Um, and I have to assume, you know, prior to Ace of Spades, you had done other things. Um, how did how did that come about? It's such a tough question to answer. Adam, because if you think about it, it's like there are so many, call it celebrities, that have had brands. And you know, I'm, not, I'm if you just, in one space is wine and spirits. And there's so mm-hmm. many celebrities, it hasn't worked. Right. So uh, I think that I'm fortunate in that the brands we create, there's a place for them. They should exist. And... When we work with, whether it's Jay-Z or Rick Ross or Post Malone or A Boogie, you know, those are, it's not like I knew these people. It's not like mm-hmm. there's a relationship that, that I had with them before the brands. The relationship exists because of the brands, meaning okay. they found them, they drank them, they pursued them. Interesting. It was something they, they already saw. So Bel Air, if I use another brand, we have Bel Air, and a lot of people know us, um, and Rick Ross is our biggest fan of that brand. You know, it was two, Bel Air was out for two years before I ever met Rick. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't realize that. Yeah. And it's it's like that way with all the brands. It's just sometimes, cele- you know, I used to say that, uh, you know, uh, Martha Stewart was a huge fan of Ace of Spades, you know, and she has nothing to do with the brand, but she loved the brand. You know what I right. mean? So. It almost takes on a whole persona, but that's what you want. That's a good brand then. Right. So in the term of something like Ace of Spades, you know, was that something that you created initially and then you sort of got connected with Jay-Z or was that something that you created together? And again, were these things where, as you said, some of these people you didn't know, they found the brand first. I have to assume, at least in the sort of the legend of Ace of Spades, it was, you know, everyone tells that story of like how Jay-Z decided to start drinking that champagne or making that champagne. Is that legend true, right? Was it because, you know, he really didn't want to drink Cristal anymore and he wanted his own thing? And did he come to you? Yeah, one has nothing to do with the other. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we, I was developing a brand and I, like everything, it could be just like this. If you, if I had you at my office, mm-hmm. I'd, ha- I'd taste you and show you everything I'm doing. I like getting people's opinions and reactions and uh, we don't do market research. You know, I, right. I, it's just, it's, it's very organic. And like a lot of things I do, people hear about it and talk about it. Mm-hmm. And we had uh, Ace of Spades existed, Armando Brignac, and uh, Jay and his team heard about this brand as many other people mm-hmm. did. And they wanted to see it and experience it. Fortunately, I didn't give any bottles, meaning they're expensive. Yeah. Uh, but he bought the brand, meaning bottles, and became familiar with it um, and then loved the brand. So that's that's normal in everything we do. So somebody's 
that people find it, they discover it, just like my Canada example, you know, mm -hmm. they're finding it and discovering it and holding on to it. And that's what I hope for all our brands. So how much do you think, you know, in, in terms of, we're talking about that finding and discovering the packaging has to do with that and just how striking so much of the packaging of the brands that you create is, um, you know, I, I'm curious because I think a lot of times we want to believe packaging isn't as important, you know, oh, it's all about the liquid, but I feel like, you know, a lot of what makes some of your brands, you know, pop is that packaging and it's what causes someone to, to take it off the shelf uh, in the first place. So how much do you think about that? I, it's huge for me, but I think there's two things and they go mm -hmm. hand in hand. There are gorgeous packages and gorgeous designs and gorgeous bottles out there. If the liquid isn't good, no one's mm -hmm. ever going to come back. Right. There are brands that have tremendous liquid meaning what's in the bottles are fantastic. But right. if the package doesn't stand out, maybe you just never notice it. So to me, both sides matter. Um, and especially packaging also for me, and I, I'm the little guy, I'm competing against the Diageos, the Bacardis, the, yeah, totally. the, the LVMHs. Um, I don't have their money. So packaging becomes even more important because it, it's the most important thing you have to try to stand out. And I think we've done a good job. Uh, and again, it's all organic. It's all developed in-house um, in creating what I always hope is an iconic image and feeling. And my my goal is always, Adam, is I want you to buy two bottles, one to put on the shelf and one to open. Um, <laughs> that's my nice. goal. That's my goal. And, you know, do you try to have someone, a, a relationship with someone connected to the brand in each brand you create or to some of the brands that you create, you know, you want them to sort of live without an association of Rick Ross or, you know, Jay-Z or things like that. There, there's, <laughs> I'm not smart enough to know what works and what doesn't work. <laughs> it's like saying, it's like saying, uh, and again, I could go back to my example of there are, you know, major, major, major celebrities in every single industry mm -hmm. that brands don't work. Right. Um, you know, for everybody who thinks that they're, their next video they put on Instagram or is going to go viral. It never does. So I'm, I, I, the way I build brands or the way I think about it is if I, my product is better than what I'm competing against. And my job is to, is to get people to taste it and try it hmm. and see where it goes. So I, I'll give you an example in our industry and you'll appreciate there's a, an expression, you sell it on premise, right? Bars and restaurants mm -hmm. to then sell it retail. Like that's what everybody thinks. That's the norm. Right. So if you get on-premise is what makes you famous, but then you want everyone to buy it off-premise. Totally. Right. That's like the standard model that everyone uses even today when I, when I meet, you know, alcohol entrepreneurs to enter the market. So if I take a brand like Bel Air, so had I thought that, okay, we, we have to do this. It has to be an on-premise brand. That's the only way this will ever work. I wouldn't have realized, which is what happened we're 10 years in and we're 98% retail. Wow. So to me, everything is just let things breathe and, and see where a brand works and where it, where it, it, it achieves success and you build on that. Um, hmm. So I, I think of that with everything I do is, is I'm not smart enough to know where it should go. I have a North star. I know where I want to go long term, right. but how I get there every day is going to change. Obviously, it seems like you have a little bit of a specialty, right? You do, you've done now two cognacs, 
You've done uh, a bunch of sparkling. Is that because you love those products? It's a sweet spot. How much are you looking at data to sort of see like where the opportunity is? I, I always am so curious when, especially someone like yourself, who's a, truly an alcohol entrepreneur, is launching different brands, how much they're looking at data and the market to figure out like what that next brand is. <laughs> I look at no data. Oh, wow. Okay. Nothing. <laughs> I, I think what's... What I always, I may, I consume my brands. I was never a rum drinker until I started drinking rum. You know, I was never a gin drinker until I started drinking it and learning about it. Um, there's no category that I'm not interested in. I just have to consume it and become familiar with it. And, and can I, then it becomes, can I come up with a better product than exists? Can I come up with a story that's better than something else out there that exists? I know whiskey better than, you know, I, because of my dad, I know it so well. It's, it's, it's easy to me. I don't mm -hmm. know what I'm you know, only in the past year or so have we come up with what we think is going to make a difference. Um, but I can't force it. I'm not just, I'm not going to put out a brand just to put out a brand. Mm -hmm. um, and the second thing I'd say is, the only thing I do look at is if everybody's running one way, I don't want to go that way. I want to go somewhere okay. else. So like if everyone is circling around like premium tequila right now, is, is that sort of what you're saying or? Correct. So to perfect example is rum. So bamboo, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's the single largest premium rum now in the United States. It's number one in the UK and Canada, Latvia, Czech. When we launched that five years ago, our industry told us, don't do it. Yeah. You should go to tequila. Tequila is the hot thing. To me, it's not about that. I'm here. I want to I do things in lanes that we, we feel really good about what we created. It doesn't matter the category. I think I can compete. It doesn't matter the category as long as I have a discernible difference in a product. Interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious for your thoughts. Like, what do you make as someone that has launched so many great brands and and done well? And as we said, with sometimes with celebrity partners, what do you make of this entire like this massive celebrity tequila movement? Like, do you think it's a bubble that's going to burst anytime soon? Um, and do you think there are things about the spirits industry that people don't realize who are getting in right now? I'd love to give you a uh, a thoughtful answer. I <laughs> again, I, I look at it as. To me, it, it, it's still about the product. If it's right. a, it has to be good. It doesn't matter. It just has to be a good tasting product. It has to have a story. It, I don't drink brands because of somebody. I'm drinking the brand because uh, I have a connection to it. I like mm -hmm. the taste. You know, that, that has longevity. It's to me, and again, it's hard for me to answer because I don't think like that. And I only mm -hmm. think about it from, it's all about the brand. It's not about who's tied to it. It's all about the brand. Because I'm, I'm curious, you know, the only person I think that probably is also as well known as you for launching brands like this is, is Ken Austin. And he sort of has said to us before, I'm, and it seems like you're giving a similar answer. You know, it's about the brand and it's, and for a lot of this, it's about being all in, right? So that I think a lot of people who get involved in, you know, the alcohol world don't realize how much of a grind it is and how much authenticity really matters. Uh, do you agree with that? Oh, completely. It's history, authenticity, the taste profile, the look and feel. It has to have a connection. 
I, I just, again, I, I remember 30 years ago being at a club in, in South Beach with my dad and someone ordered a bottle of Kettle One. Never heard of it before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. It, and that became my brand, meaning that's what I wanted to consume. So I think consumers, they need a connection for whatever mm-hmm. it is. They need a real connection to the brand. If you're banking on the celebrity, that's to me, that's not it. Uh, okay. At least that's, I don't know how to build brands that way. I don't know what that means. I can't for, again, for every Conor McGregor, um, there's 1,000 other ones that didn't make it. I don't know right. why his made it. No clue. I have, I've, I, I don't know. I couldn't give you an answer as to, you know, what's the recipe for that. Interesting. And do you think, so, because we've talked so much about brand, brand and curation, there's, there's a lot of, uh, like noise now, especially from, from marketing executives that especially like, you know, millennials and Gen Z aren't brand loyal. They don't, they don't care about brands anymore. Do you buy that? No, I think brand, they have to have meaning to you. They, they have to have a, a soul. They have to have a connection. You know, when, when, when we first did our first brand, as an example, um, with Ace, we didn't have social media. You know, mm-hmm. that was built based on, you know, traditional block and tackling, you know, articles, um, magazines, newspapers, and then there were blogs. When we did Bel Air, um, then Instagram started coming and wow, that's kind of neat. You get to see how people react to your brand. Mm-hmm. So now take again, go use Bamboo. Bamboo has the most followers on Instagram than any brand of rum. So more than Captain Morgan and Bacardi. They have billion-dollar budgets. I don't spend any money on advertising. I'm connecting with the consumer. So to me, that means something. Like there's – my brand has a meaning to them, just like it has a meaning to me. I I, I tell people all the time, the way I think about our our brands is they're, they're, they're my children. Uh, you gotta get them to learn to walk and talk and position them right. And where do they need help where they don't need help? And that's how I do it. I, I, I have a, um, again, I said, I think I said this earlier, uh, sometimes not having a plan is a really good plan because <laughs> you can, because you can, you, you, as long as you can pivot constantly, you'll mm-hmm. get there. It's really interesting. And when, when you have the idea for these brands, where do the names come from? The names, the bottles, the the icons. I'll see something. Uh, I'll have an idea. Uh, I'll think of something, and I I kind of park them. Meaning, you know, take take bamboo. Uh, when we were learning about rum, I ended up learning that in the 14th century, merchants who traveled the West Indies. Uh, when they drank rum, they didn't like the taste of it. That was called grog. That was the normal mm-hmm. rum. And they started blending their own and they called it bamboo. Uh, so it's almost like you're birthing an idea from that. It just, you get it. And mm-hmm. that's where the inspiration came from. Um, a brand like Vion, which is just so cool. In the 14th century, uh, there was a poet named Francois Vion in France who was an iconoclast. He went against the grain. He fought against bad cops and government. He was kicked out of Paris. He ultimately was killed by a monk. Some people think the word villain comes from Vion. Like it's got, that's what, that's the brand soul. Like Mm -hmm. it's going against everybody else in this category. Um, So 
the the names, the bottles, the designs, it's all done in-house. Uh, and they're all critical to, to me and in, in, in how you build you build that loyalty with a consumer. That's really fascinating. Well, Brett, this has been really interesting to talk to you. I really appreciate you taking the time to tell us a little more about yourself and the brands that you're building. Um, like I said, I think a lot of people who listen are familiar with at least one, if not many of them and sort of, you know, I, I love the way that you are talking about, uh, you know, thinking about the brand and how it sort of fits into people's lives and, and that attachment. And I think a lot of people who listen probably will be pretty jealous that you don't spend any money on advertising. Um, so congrats to, to you for all that success. And thank you so much again for joining me. Thanks, Adam. Really appreciate being able to, to, to talk our industry and, uh, new brands are the lifeblood of our, the industry. So I love it. Awesome. That was a super fun interview. Um, I thought Brett was really great. Let's jump into this, though. Uh, so there's a lot of celebrity wines we could have chosen uh, to taste today, but the one we ha- all have in front of us is uh, by Snoop D-O-double-G. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I felt like it's just been everywhere recently, like 19 crimes. So this is this is a perfect example of like a collaboration as opposed to like, I don't think Snoop has any ownership in this. Mm-hmm. Um he probably gets paid very well. Um, he's he yeah, is very treasury connected. treasury folks. I know you listen. If you want to let us know exactly what you're paying him, that'd be cool. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, treasury, like let, let, hook us up. Uh, it's 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 like it's jumped every other 19 crimes, which is already wildly successful. Um, but this is what I see now everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think he's come out with a rosé now too. Like which which also proves that like this is. Um, this has got to be the most successful in the entire line. I'm, yeah. I'm standing for this because I just feel like, you know. <laughs> is that out of respect or what? Yeah, it's out of respect for, I mean, come on. Okay, like, so he's he's only associated with the the Cali, like his picks? The Snoop yeah, Cali the, Red and the He's like the, the other 19 crimes where it's like, this was a guy from Australia. Yeah, like yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, that's not. That's he's how the not. brand started. And okay. then they connected with him. But I think that this is way more successful than anything else. Like, don't quote me. I'm not looking at Nielsen or IRI. So, like, if you want to email me and be like, Adam, you're wrong. Cool. Um, but I think it is very successful. Um, I've never had it before. So I'm struggling getting the foil off. He's, like, really the oh, face Oh, you didn't of... open it ahead of time? My no, God. I, I wanted the full fucking experience. So so let's talk a little bit about this. I mean, everyone has seen this bottle, presumably, if you've ever it's been it's in full, a grocery it's full store. black. Yeah. Like, you can't see the wine in it. Mm-mm. Well, it's it's definitely like a matte finish, like mm-hmm. you know, a little translucent. It's definitely got mm-hmm. like you know, there's there's it's it fits the the sort of broader Nineteen Crimes look, but it's also very distinctly its own thing. Um, you know, in part because it's got Snoop Dogg's face on it, which you know, pretty recognizable mm-hmm. all told. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, literally the foil around the whole Nexus Snoop. Yeah, and the the cork, if you haven't gotten it open yet, has his visage on it as well, which is cool. That's going in my cork collection. Little uh, little weird cork at the top, like a little, might I say, uh, scrappy. (laughs) Wow, I don't know about the I don't know about the wine storage at your local bodega, but (laughs) I'm actually mildly surprised that this wine has a cork. Like this might have been a thing that would have made sense with a screw cap, but I don't know. Wait, oh my gosh, it's hilarious. As yes, as you're pulling the cork out, it's his face. Oh yeah, Snoop stares at he gives you I mean, we've been doing this whole recording with him kind of glaring at me and it's like mildly intimidating. It's kind of cool. Yeah. You're 
heard that. You heard that. That's a good sound. Yeah. Okay. So not corked. I would imagine not. (laughs) Seems like a very safe thing with a composite cork that it would not be corked. Oh, nice pouring sounds. I like it. (laughs) Okay. It's definitely very, very dark in color. Unsurprisingly. Very purple, probably. One might say mega, mega purple, Joanna. <laughs> you don't know. So, okay, before you taste it, Joanna, wait, Joanna, did you try it yet? Did you try I ha- it yet? I have not. And Adam, you have not tasted it yet, right? I've not tasted it. Okay. It so smells Joanna, like grapey grapes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think this wine will be sweet or not? Oh, I don't think it will be sweet. Is it sweet? Mm. <laughs> Is it well, taste it and sweet? tell us. Are you Are you quizzing everybody or just Joanna? Okay, do you think it will be sweet, Adam, or not? I think it's going to be sweet but deceptively so. Like it's it's going to have sugar, but like it's not going to be in your face like Moscato. Okay. Now do I taste it? Yeah, go for it. Oh man, now we're getting slurping on Mike. This did not happen when we were drinking twisted tea. Wow, it's, it's pretty sweet. sweet. Mm-hmm. It's sweet, yeah. but like I said, it's deceptively so. It's not sweet in the same way that. This wine is very well engineered. Hmm. Oh yeah. It's built. Like it is That's so interesting. It's very well engineered. Like this is this is Flavor Lab like Oh yeah. You know, we're going to figure out how to deliver this at exactly like blending, right? That's what you mean? Oh, they're doing uh. a lot more than that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Joanna, you sweet summer child. <laughs> they're doing a lot more than that. But yeah, this this wine is uh sweet. It's almost no tannin, and and almost no acidity. It's very very mm-hmm. smooth. Yeah, like it's a, very. This is this is a smooth wine. This is what someone yeah. thinks of when they say they want a smooth wine. This is just super dark. Like, I mean, look, this is like this is like crushed velvet. So I so I have a, a comment. Sugary crushed crushed velvet. I have a comment here. My my thinking on this wine when I first tasted it was. Their their inspiration for this wine was how do we make a twelve dollar bottle of the prisoner? This is what that, that's one hundred percent what this is. Like the prisoner is not this sweet; it has more tannin, but it has that like very smooth blended fruit character. Mm-hmm. Like the tannins, you know. I interviewed the winemaker um, Chrissy Whitman a while back. Like she talked about like one of the huge things for them is like. They know that their drinkers want to drink the wine right away. They're not going to mm. age it. The, the tannins have to be very sort of supple and integrated. Like the fruit, they go for a lot of fruit ripeness. In the, yeah, they the hang pit. forever. And like, mm. that's what they're going for. And to me, this is like, even including the, like maybe all of 19 Crimes is kind of trying to piggyback a little bit on that just sort of vague aesthetic. Mm-hmm. But this feels to me like, what's what can we make that we can sell as basically the prisoner, but in every gas station and grocery store around the country? It's yeah, like I mean, ma- maximally appealing. I'm going to go in for one more. Uh... It's not bad. I mean, like to me, it's like it's Kate, my wife said earlier, because I opened it earlier because the very pregnant lady wanted to take a nap. And so she wasn't willing to wait until we were done recording to taste it. But she was very curious <laughs> to try it. Uh, and uh, she was like, this is the kind of wine that if someone invited me over to have like wine and chocolate, she's like, this is the wine they should serve me. Oh, Which I think is a good point. Like it's <clears throat> not it, it doesn't it, it doesn't have the like it's a good wine for that kind of thing yeah, it has it, it has a little acidity but you're right almost n- not anything like wow but it is almost it's not there's not a lot of oak either it's just no. 
just like ripe fruit and red wine. And the other thing about this that that is, I think, because the lack of tannins and the lack of acidity is like, but it makes total sense for the kind of wine this is and what they're going for. Like, if like, there's almost no aftertaste to this wine, like it's gone almost instantly. But what does that make you want to do? It makes you want to pick more. up the glass and drink again. Yep, totally. Like, this, this wine, is this wine is drink so the engineered. whole bottle kind of thing. Yeah, yeah this wine is so engineered. It's crazy. Wow, this is awesome. Um, so I think I think on on the level of like, did we hate it or not hate it? I feel like we didn't. Hate, we we. I I would not buy it's it. Right. It's interesting, but I but I also really understand why people love it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't think it was disgusting. Like I don't think I don't hate it. Like I think Caitlin is right. Right. This is like if yeah. if this was if you had a wine and chocolate event, I could get down with this. Um, yeah. It's it's an interesting. I'm going to say this. It's an interesting beverage. Yeah. To me, is it an interesting wine? No. It's an interesting beverage, though. Um, Maybe I'd mull this wine. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Or like, I think it like you could even make it like. I mean, I think it'd be a great wine for sangria. Sangria, like, yeah. Yeah, it'd be great. It'd be for a great sangria. wine for like if you make a New York sour, which is like a cocktail mm-hmm. with red wine, like or a, a Cali Mocha. Yeah, mm-hmm. Cali Mocha definitely. Wow. But awesome. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's cool stuff. Glad, cool. glad I had a finally an excuse to try it. I've been staring <laughs> at it in the grocery store for for you know years now or whatever. <laughs> me too, me too. Well, guys, I'll talk to you Monday. See ya. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. VinePair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair tasting director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.